Welcome to We're Listening, the podcast all about Frasier. I'm Will. And I'm Dat Steve. It's a uh, family name, but my friends just call me Steve. <laughs> and in this episode, we are looking at season five, episode 20, in which Niles, or I should say it's called First Date, in which Niles and Daphne have their first romantic evening together. Only one of them doesn't know it's meant to be romantic. Uh, firstly, I don't have a glass to hand, but let me be the first to raise a glass to the late God Uncle Charles. Um, <laughs> you know, sadly no longer with us. Uh, my question for you this week, Steve: What would you cook me in your dream dinner scenario? I I am your De Phyllis. What, what are you cooking? What are you cooking for? Like, um, what would you make for De William. God, what would I? Um. What's 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 in those pans? What's bubbling away? What's I feel roasting? like I should answer as key and say, you know, baked beans with warm cheese. <laughs> warm, <laughs> warm cheese. Warm. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, the idea that of, of a roast seems like quite a heavy meal. That uh, that for a, for a yeah. first date. Yeah, I think yeah. I'd have to go with some sort of pasta, maybe a, maybe a ravioli or something. Something. Ooh. I know that's still a heavy meal, but it's not a full course, is it? I mean, it's. I like the ravioli. I like the sound of that. I think yeah. I could be. I think I could be seduced. Nice glass of wine. Oh God, please! Bit of bit of Barry wine <laughs> on the stereo. Less, less candles than Niles has in his apartment. <laughs> do you want to do you want to talk about that? Um, that that absolute safety hazard. Um, but yeah, listeners, let us know what are you cooking the theoretical you know person of your dreams um if you are in this same situation as niles finds himself in um before we get into the review of this slightly lean episode i think we've both agreed before we hit record are we ready to took ourselves into trivia corner yeah let's go for it i dread to think what i'm going to get asked on this episode (laughs) let's tuck ourselves in yeah i have no idea what's coming here actually um question numero uno from our boy down under concerning jane leaves what is significant about this episode? And you're going to need to think a little bit outside of the show, maybe. Um, it's recorded on her birthday. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that is that your guess? I, don't, I have no idea what it could be. If not, it's so. the second episode where she was nominated for an Emmy. Uh, the first being where every bloke knows your name. Didn't realise she was nominated for either. No, um, not that. That's the kind of background reading we should do as hosts of a Fraser podcast, and yet we do not. Um, but yeah, cracking, cracking stuff there from from Hamish. What causes Fraser to utter the words "kaboom"? Is it Phyllis turning up? Isn't it? It is. Nars is Fraser's saying something about. It blowing up in his face, and I think she he opens the door to Phyllis, and he goes kaboom, kaboom, <laughs> exactly that. He's warning Niles about lies blowing up in his face. Then at that moment, Phyllis turns up at the door. When Martin tells Fraser his god uncle died, what number is mentioned twice, and in what way? Is this oh, this is significant. This is this is interesting. This is hard. If you can remember at what time the wake is in. The wake, I think he says he's got a haul last or something. It's in 20 minutes, is it? 20. So obviously I've helped you out there. Can you remember the other instance in which 20 is used? 
he's been your god uncle for 20 years. <laughs> I'm not, you're not a million miles away. His godfather died 20 years ago, and he says, well, now your god uncle's died to break a leg. The wake's in 20 minutes, so double 20, a T20 uh, <laughs> for, for cricket fans. Um, that Oh, and one, one more from Niall Crane before we move on this week. Uh, when Daphne and Niles are sitting down in Niles' apartment, how many candles, this is, this is apt, do we see on the tray on the cushion in front of the couch? So this is presumably on that kind of, is it a divan? I don't know what you call yeah, those things. The, um, an ottoman, like isn't it? An, an ottoman, I think it is an ottoman. I would say there's a sort of trio, you know, three sort of in different levels, I don't know, I guess. Again, so close. Looking for five. Looking for five again. Number. You get the symmetry. I'm imagining there's the one in the middle, and then two either side. Perhaps yeah. that's what they're going for. I'm not a candle man, um, but we will talk about candles. Obvious. <laughs> Obviously, uh, I, I didn't go to candle version of Princeton. Um, hit me with your question, Stevo. Let's let's well, see what you've got. I have four for you, and they are all sort of. I'd, ugh, I'd kind of say they're almost pop culture. Ooh. So be prepared. We have a theme. Kaboom. So, number one. Fraser says to Niles, why not just set a place for the March Hare and the Mad Hatter? Who wrote the stories in which these characters are found? That would be a man with my surname, Lewis Carroll, whose real name actually was Charles Lutwich Dodgson, not Lewis Carroll. There you go. Well, I'll give you two points for that. (laughs) (laughs) What a knobhead. Number two, Niles and Daphne sing Heart and Soul whilst chopping veg for the salad. Originally, this song was by Hoagie Carmichael. In which 1988 film does Tom Hanks play this song on a giant piano? And what is the Frasier connection? I'm going to say that's big. It is. Um, How does it relate to Frasier other than that song? That's weird because I've not yet watched it, but I know another Tom Hanks film, Sleepless in Seattle, has loads of people from Frasier in it. Um, (laughs) Is there there someone from Frasier in big? I'm going to... (laughs) <laughs> um, is that what you're looking for here? This one's specific to that piano scene. Oh. Specific to the piano scene. I'm just going to have to guess someone is eating a carrot during the scene. <laughs> the gentleman he plays piano with, who's the toy store owner, is Robert Loggia, who plays Stefano in The Three Faces of Frasier. Oh my God, of course. Uh, of course, there's a great Family Guy sketch about him. I believe the other one connecting big is Mercedes Rule, who plays Kate Costas, is Tom Hanks's mum, I believe. Ah, it could be wrong, good. but Robert Loggia was the one I was going for. Nice. Uh, number three, Daphne sprays which cologne on her hairbrush when she runs it through her hair? That would be Obsession by Calvin Klein. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Correct. Obsession by Calvin Klein. You. Is that two out of three? Or th- well, it's almost three out of three, actually. Almost. Got- it is two. It is two. So can you go for four? Oh, Daphne God. names two Sopranos in the episode. Who are they? Renata Tabaldi. Yes. And is it Joan Sutherland? It is. Oh, man. A rare okay performance. Best trivia performances of yourself. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you, Steve. Thank you very much. I feel quite overwhelmed. Um, those are some good questions as well. I think for people playing along at home, there's some real corkers there. Um, I don't appear to have any questions from our boy MK. 
Um, I hope all is well with our, our man in California, but uh, it looks just like this week it was uh, Hamish and Niall Crane, so thank you for posting those chaps. Um, shall we get to the review, Steve? Yes, let's head over. Animation Watch, talk me through it. Hot Air Balloon. Hot Air Balloon. Thoughts on this one? Um, absolutely no relation to the episode again. <laughs> no. Um, better than the clip art balloons, which we've mentioned a million times and hate. We hate um, them. Just not really sure why the hot air balloon. Was it just something different to come out of the skyline, maybe? It's not I think plane, you know, it's not I, Superman. I've lost track of whether this is the first instance of the hot air balloon. I don't think it is, because I feel like Key and I, in an episode, had this exact same conversation. Um, yeah, I feel like you've probably seen it before. But I like the fact that it matches the white and black high contrast skyline. If it had been a red hot air balloon, then we're into clip art territory, <laughs> Madeline territory. Um, and then suddenly it's just not as enjoyable. Um, on a completely unrelated note, I want to read some more Ian McEwan this summer who wrote Atonement and stuff. And he has a book called Enduring Love, which has a very famous hot air balloon disaster in its opening chapter. Um, and apparently it's described really well. So anyone looking for a literary theme from this episode, I haven't read it, but go yeah. read go read Enduring Love, um, Hot Air Balloons. Uh, Fraser's obsessed with a mini series. Is it KACL? Yeah, he's at KACL now. He's he's terrified of spoilers. Talk to me about spoiler culture, Steve. What do you think about it generally? Where do you sit? Do you know what? Personally, it's contentious. I'm not too bothered about it. Um... That's refreshing to hear. I mean, obviously, with the reboot coming up, I have had contact with a few people. I've actually had contact with two people who are in it. Um, not major stars, don't worry. Not Kelsey, he's not in the back room now. Uh, <laughs> but via the internet, spoken with a couple of people who are in it. And, and you know, I know and I know a couple of people, a few people now, have actually been to recordings. And I can't say that any of the spoilers or certain little details, etc., they've told me have really bothered me in any way. I'm not thinking, oh, I can't watch this now. I know what's coming. Hmm. I kind of it excited me more. I almost thought, I can't wait to see that moment. I can't wait to see this scene. Do you know what I mean? I, I'm excited to see certain people or, or certain things or certain, you know, mentions of other people that might have been in the show. I, I kind of get excited by that. I mean, I watched, for example, I watched Breaking Bad about five or six years after it finished airing. I really? was bothered by knowing, I, I didn't know what happened in the finale and I won't mention it here in case others haven't seen it, but I wasn't bothered about knowing sort of parts of it or seeing clips of it online or anything like that. It doesn't didn't detract from the storyline for me. It made me probably want to watch it more. I want to get to that scene, you know, find out yeah. what that scene was about. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Fraser's obsession over, was it a three-part, does he say, or a four-part miniseries? That would have been a very good trivia question because I didn't clock that at all. Yeah, I, I'm, it, he might not mention it. I just, maybe I'm just clutching at nothing there and just making that up. But, you know, if it's a three or four-part series, what's he so worried about? And why is he trying to watch this trashy soap opera style miniseries anyway yeah it's a lot against time how does yeah. he know what everyone else is talking about he says Ros, there's this miniseries i'm watching and the woman walks in and goes did you know about this and he goes no 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 i'm watching it how do you know what she's talking about yeah. no one's mentioned the name of it daphne comes in and goes heather dies or oh, about heather's baby and he goes no 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 don't tell me and you're like how do you know it's the same one because he's not named it he just keeps saying i'm trying to watch this miniseries. Mm. I, there's a couple of weird things to pick apart there. And I'm being so pedantic here. So, you know, people feel free to just tune out. If it's a miniseries, how could a p character possibly have been pregnant, had a child, 
and, yeah. then, and then sadly lost the child without Frasier knowing that was coming. Um, yeah. He's like, Heather was pregnant. It's a mini series. It's not a long running soap opera. Um, and even if it was a long running soap opera, it would have been, you know, that would have been coming. Um, my follow up question. I'll stick on this for you, Steve. Do you have a favorite mini series? Um, and and I, I don't know what the definition is. I'm going to say it's a season of TV that's like ten or eight episodes or less, um, and that's it. If there will be a definition online, but that's just the one yeah, I'm going to throw mean, out there now. As far as I'm aware, it is just a short run as a one series TV show. Yeah. Um, I don't have a favorite, but if I was to cut out everything else of a show and just make one series or one season of a show. It'd be True Detective Season 1. Oh my god, you've said exactly what I was going to say and why I asked you that question. Keep going. Well, I, I almost think you could make that a miniseries because Season 2, which I haven't watched because I, I, I think Season 1 is such perfect TV, I couldn't watch it. Cause I don't don't, don't watch 2, it's terrible. I just think that is technically a separate storyline. It's new it characters. It definitely well. is. Therefore, I consider, and this is a bit like, this is a bottle episode gate, <laughs> I consider season one of True Detective to be a mini series because it starts, it finishes, done. It's it's one season. I completely agree with you, and because it's an anthology show, I think it, it's even more in the remit of, of of being understood as a mini series. The season one of that show, it's eight episodes long. It is, as I I agree with you, the best eight episodes of television I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, 100%. Just unbelievable. Um, if anyone hasn't seen it, please go and watch it. Content warning is it's pretty dark, but you'll get that from, you know, looking up about it and stuff. You know, it's it's very much an 18, um, but it's amazing. Yeah, um, you like suspense and a thriller. I mean, that is, were they an hour long each? I'd about say that, about that. Solid hours of perfection in TV. That is. It's just brilliant. Um, there's a great miniseries that I watched not long ago called The Virtues, um, which was on Channel 4. Has the great Stephen Graham in, who's in lots of things in this country. It was directed by Shane Meadows of This Is England fame and Dead Man's Shoes and those sorts of films. And it's a three-parter about a guy who went to a boys' kind of boarding school. Not a boarding school, like a boys' home um, when he was in Ireland, in rural Ireland when he was young. And he kind of goes back to Ireland to confront the kind of ghosts and demons of his past. It's incredibly harrowing. It's very hard to watch. It's not something I recommend lightly. But it's amazing, and Stephen Graham's performance in it is one for the ages. Um, we are a little bit Stephen Graham saturated these days. Um, he is in everything, but this oh. is an amazing three-parter. To be honest, touching on Stephen Graham, actually, he's, um, I think it is a mini-series. It was only about two or three episodes, actually, I think. And uh, I think, it, is it called Watchmen or The Watchmen? About him as a CCTV operator? Oh, vaguely remember that. Absolutely fantastic show. Um, really? I think one, it might only be one or two parts. Um, but yeah, he uh, he sees a crime as a CCTV operator and decides to get involved and try and sort it out and brings uh, brings the crime back on himself, unfortunately, by getting involved. But he is just a fantastic actor. I think he's one of Britain's best currently, you know, sort of working. Definitely. Um, I think he'll go down as quite a legend over time. Yeah. So I think he's not going to stop acting. And yeah, I've, everything I've seen him in, is a, I can't remember the other one I've seen him in, is a, is a chef. Um, oh, Boiling Point. Yeah, again, absolutely 
amazing TV. Really good. He is just. I think is that a film actually? It is, but it's yeah. again, it's like bottle film, one take. I think it's meant to look like it's yeah, all I one think, take. I think you're right. I think it was one or two cameras, and literally the whole thing set in one evening, isn't it? At the, uh, yeah. at the restaurant, and I think that's an absolutely fantastic uh, production with him. And again, yeah, what, what an actor. Completely agree. Um, in the apartment, it's raining, huge vibes. It's cozy as hell. Someone even commented on Facebook or messaged the Facebook page, but they kind of told me how much they thought I'd enjoy this episode because of the rain. Listeners obviously know that I go in for that quite a lot, um, but it's lovely. Daphne drops the spoiler about Heather now. Fraser obviously is annoyed, but then kind of passes, you know, quite calmly puts that to one side considering how militant he is and people do get very militant about spoilers in our day and age i think i'm very surprised that frazier has some popcorn here and and enjoys it this is quite a lowbrow snack for him with what looks like a glass of sherry that he pours himself sherry and popcorn (laughs) not not a combo i'm dying to try but uh yeah i mean what do we make of this I think it's interesting that when he gets home from work, or I think he's been at work, hasn't he? He's been at the station. Mm. And he walks straight in, he gets himself the sherry, and she says, I'll go and put your popcorn on. Daphne scuffles off into the kitchen, and out she comes with, I presume, warm popcorn from the microwave. She says she's going to heat it up for him in a bowl. And he sits down, and moments later, he goes, I'll save that for later. Yeah. Would you? Would you really want sort of warmed up, gone cold popcorn? Sure, that's going to be... Well, rotten, really. I, I, can't, I can't imagine what happens if you leave popcorn or what it would be like. I've, I've, it's something you eat immediately, isn't it? So well, I thought that was kind of the point of heating it up, surely. If not, you just... I don't know. It just seems strange that he'd save that or put it off because he's got to go to this wake, which brings me on to the topic of exactly why were they not invited to the funeral? And why is the wake in 20 minutes and Martin's only mentioning it? Martin walks in and says, sit down, I've got something to tell you. I have to tell you your god-uncle's died. What do you mean he died? He's died ages ago. You're having a funeral and you're now going to the wake. Yeah, that doesn't make sense <laughs> at all. The, the, the wake being 20 minutes is an incredible bugbear, but the fact that, yeah, the, he's died ages ago and nothing's been said. Um, <laughs> you know, but yeah, some great lines of this, meet the god-neighbours and the god-cousins. Oh, yeah. um, Fantastic. People, I like yeah. the, uh, the God Neighbours, definitely. That's fantastic. And I know people on, on FFC comment on this quite a lot. Um, they they love this kind of little exchange. Um, I have put, I, and, and it's, it's related to what you've just been saying about Daphne bringing the popcorn. I do find it a bit egregious at this point. She is literally a servant in that house. Yeah. Like this, this two, three minute moment with her. And fortunately, Daphne has a really fantastic episode ahead of her. Um, which you would not know is coming the way she's been treated here, but she's literally a servant here, and like she doesn't seem to mind. Well, she goes from again what what she introduced in episode one of the whole season show is is as a, a, lit- a healthcare worker, isn't it? These angels exist. Yes, yeah. they, they're to help you in the ha- home, in and around the home, with your father's uh, illness or injury, mm. and. Uh, in literally a couple of minutes after she's made the popcorn, she's scurrying under the kitchen sink to try and get fabric softener to go all the way down to the basement, 20 floors down, I presume, if they're on floor 19 and she's going down to the basement to go and do their washing. It's just so egregious, you smaller words, as Ross would say. <laughs> um, but it is, it's it's just gross. And like she is clearly fine to do it. She's probably rewarded, compensated, whatever. She gets to live there. 
she doesn't care at this point. We've talked about this, but it is it does strike a bit of a unpleasant chord. Um, we learn that God Uncle Charlie was that ghoul who used to take his ear, uh, his eye out, and put it in the mashed potato and say, "I'm watching what I eat." Great it, delivery it, 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 of the marble ditch, bag but... was it Narciss? Uh, yeah, Fra- yeah, I think Fraser Wait. says he used to put it in the in the marble bag. Did you ever play with marbles as a kid, Steve? Or were they very much a toy before your time? No, they were around when I was younger. Um, did you did you dabble? Did you have a well, sack of marbles? Do you know what? Yeah, it was actually. I mean, I don't. I don't actually know what you played with marbles. I think it was just to sort of flick them around the floor, throw them. At other you meant marbles. to do like a circle and do something with them in the. Yeah, I don't think I ever developed the knowledge of the actual game, other than just rolling them around and mucking about with my older sister. Really. I think she had a bag and I had a bag. I don't think there was actually much to do. I did have once. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the circular game of solitaire. That's oh, played. I I have that. I have that. Yeah. I had that as a child as well. Sort of, you jump over one, take one out. Had the ring around the outside that all the marbles go into. So played that sort of game with marbles. But that's so weird. You mentioned that, Steve, because I, I literally have a bullet point about the fact that Niles plays the card version of Solitaire later in this yeah. episode, and you mentioned that. I've never really understood the marble one. I know the mechanic, but like, is it possible to solve the board? What on the on the jumping over the marble one? Yeah, yeah. Many times I've done it. Many, many times. As as in, but by which point there's no marbles left? Is that what you meant? But well, there's a gap in the middle, isn't it? You start with one hole in the middle. So if you jump over each one, yeah, you can work it out and you can go around and clear the whole board. That oh is the my point, William! <laughs> oh my god! I'm gonna I'm gonna get that down. It was my late nan's. I haven't played with it since I've last played it with her, which is probably at least 13, 14 years ago. And I'm gonna have a go at, at solving it. Yeah, you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed. Sit there one one rainy afternoon, Ooh. looking outside. A little I... bit of explosions in the sky on the stereo, so something yes. crazy, and just hear those marbles dropping over one <laughs> after the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's possible to complete that. It's the whole point of the game: is clear the board. That is awesome. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a game tonight after we finish recording. I love. I want to see a clear board sent to me. <laughs> uh, Niles chickens out now um, and doesn't ask uh, Daphne out. But he does ask what perfume she's wearing, to which we learn it's obsession. I'm wearing currently Calvin Klein's Eternity. Have you ever dabbled with that scent? Do you know what? I think I actually possibly had that not in the '90s, but possibly in the early 2000s. It was more of a Calvin I... Klein surge, wasn't there? But it, yeah, and people loved CK1 and stuff yeah, like that. I think Eternity is one of the nicest smelling aftershaves I own. I love it. And I like, you know, your Chanel blues and whatever and your expensive ones. Not that I can afford to keep buying them. But <laughs> I just think it's such a lovely, clean, kind of soapy smell. Some people don't like that. But it just smells like you're really clean. But I've got like the eau de toilette, so it doesn't last. I'm pretty sure if you sprayed CK1 around me now, it'd take me back to high school. I think everyone it would in it back then. You'd be back in a back in a nightclub in the early 2000s. Um, that is exactly what it would do. Um, so this is such a classic mix-up now. Obviously, Daphne overhears Fraser and Niles in the kitchen. Um, blah blah blah. Um, or, or that happens before the aftershave thing. Um, but it's just painful. This must have hurt first time watchers of this episode back in the 90s mm. so much in that second they think oh my god the cat's out the bag yeah, and then Daphne's like so who is she I mean do you think this is kind of played well or I think the fact that let's face the silent kitchen here that <laughs> Daphne can just about hear as she walks in but she didn't hear the words literally a foot before she got into the yeah pretend silent soundproof door 
that she walks through because he says that quite loud. Him and Fraser aren't muttering that in there. They're talking reasonably loud about it. Niles is being very sort of overreactive about the whole thing, isn't he? And Daphne just walks in. She doesn't slowly walk in. She walks in and you're telling me that he didn't say that loud enough for her to hear. But when she walks in, she hears everything very clearly. And you think she's not that far outside the, the kitchen non-door, as I say. Mm. She'd have heard that. She would have. She absolutely <laughs> would have. This black hole of a of a kitchen space um, will never kind of just give us pause. Um, or, you know, it gives us plenty of pause. It will never let us rest, I should say. Um, there is a roll of thunder outside. Um, the coziness in the apartments is off the charts at this point. The rain continues to fall. Um, Martin's advice is that women go crazy for, for flattery. Doesn't matter if it's a big fat lie. A lovely dose of kind of generational, you know, casual misogyny. But you know, he he means it well. Um, obviously, immediately then goes into flatter Daphne. Um, I think it's not just women that go crazy for flattery. I think everybody likes flattery, don't they? Oh yes, hundred percent. I mean, yeah. I think I think if you want to make someone agree with you, I mean, the way Martin does it with Niles there, doesn't he? He says, "But whatever Daphne said, I'm sure that's really good advice as well." And then goes behind her and sort of winks and winks. Points, like, see, see, yeah. I'm, I'm proving my point. And you think actually there is a way around. Not most people. That's a horrible thing to say in a way, but I think if you want to lift someone else's spirits and make them feel a bit better, and 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 just making such a simple comment is quite easy just to make their a difference to their day. And it's the same and it feels that way back, doesn't it? Even if someone yeah. even if you think afterwards, did they mean that? Did they really say that my hair looks nice? I know I'm a bald guy, don't worry about that. <laughs> Your beard I, looks nice. <laughs> what a lovely moustache you have. That's <laughs> research and development. Um, <laughs> I think when people just make that comment sometimes you you, you get that extra spring in your step. So Martin is right, you know, flattery will technically get you everywhere. Hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And I know people are still big fans of Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. And that's probably rule 101 in there. I remember reading it years ago and kind of giving up because I got bored. But it's pretty much what it boils down to. Repeat people, mirror people, etc. Flatter them. Um, Niles is playing solitaire, uh, as we've just been discussing. Again, moving from the marbles version now to the card version. Do you dabble? Are you a fan? This is a, this isn't something I play a lot, but I do love it, and I love the concept of it being for one. It, it's a proper game of patience, isn't it? Really, mm. it's like playing. Um, did you ever used to play clock patience with cards? I don't think so. All right, there's another one for you to look up. Look up clock patience when you set them up like a clock around the outside, and you, in, in the same sort of thing. You have to match the cards, move around, and eventually you should, in theory, clear the cards. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't think I've played solitaire with cards for a long time, but obviously <laughs> Windows 95, Windows 97, etc. How popular was playing Minesweeper and Solitaire on your computer when you were bored? Very or if right. you're, uh, spoiler alert for those who don't know the rest of the show, is it Julia in later seasons? Yes. When she's playing Solitaire on her Palm Pilot. <laughs> <laughs> and again, in the 90s, that probably did come on every computer, every Palm Pilot, every, you know, every desktop that it was there. Solitaire was a basic thing that if you were on a hold on a phone call or whatever, you were bored at work, you were sitting there just flipping through those cards, waiting for them all to magically sort of, they, they sort of look like Vegas, doesn't it? It sort of rolls out cards. Yeah. It was probably quite rare to do that, but I used to love playing that sort of game. Really, it was good fun. I'm so with you. It wasn't. It was years until I understood the rules of Minesweep and what the numbers meant. Um, <laughs> but then once I did figure it out, I was like, "Yeah, this is pretty. This is pretty satisfying." Very um, good for your brain. Very good for your brain. Yeah, 
out the numbers quick enough to uh, to beat the clock, definitely. But yeah. Minesweeper. I've got <laughs> such an urge to play Minesweeper, Card Solitaire, and Marvel Solitaire. <laughs> I might genuinely play all three this evening. Um, that's that's definitely something I'm going to do. Um, Daphne arrives. The ruse is over. No, it's not. The ruse continues to grow because she goes into the kitchen. There's no food. Niles somehow hoodwinks her into staying to cook. Um, she does admit later that she's quite pushy and apologizes. But she is very pushy in this episode. And I don't know, obviously Niles is accepting it because actually this is the secret object of all his desires. But like, she doesn't really have a social awareness to think, should I just leave this man to, to have a date on his own? It's, it's almost odd in a way that she didn't know what time the date was going to be. I know mm. we don't know what time it is. I mean, Niles looks like he's ready for bed. He's in his garren, which makes me kind of think he was in for the night. That was it. He wasn't going anywhere after that. That was that was no. him done. He's about to make a small pan of pasta for himself, which doesn't seem like a Niles meal, even when you're cooking for one. No. Yeah, he's just going to have bland pasta on its own, is he? Um, so she decides she'll bring dessert over, not knowing what time Dap Phyllis was going to be there. And so how would she know that she's not going to interrupt their date? She just turns up with dessert, which would be very awkward if Phyllis was already there for the date. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's bizarre. Um, absolutely bizarre. Um, but he does look incredibly handsome as Stephanie comments when he comes down dressed, um, which we'll get to shortly. So many candles, Steve. Um I I just delivered that line in one of my fa- in the same way as one of my favourite lines from Peep Show, which is have you seen Peep Show? Yeah, a long time ago, but yeah. So do you remember Simon, Dobby's ex-boyfriend, played by the great Matthew Bainton? Yes. So he's basically, there's a bit where they all go over to Mark and Jess's flat and they're just smoking weed and playing video games. And Simon just goes, nice place, Mark. So many biscuits. And the camera pans to a plate of biscuits on the table. And he goes, is this a normal night for you? Um, The delivery of those so many biscuits, is this a normal night for you, ruins me. And so my, my my words are so many candles, Niles. Is this a normal night for you? Because what what what's he thinking? Well, what's what's Daphne thinking? What's Daphne Lighting so many. All? Yeah, Daphne lights them all. I think is that normal for a first date? I think if you were any woman going into that household, you'd go, Jesus Christ, what are you doing? Here? Yes, yes. There's, there's got to be 40, 50 candles lit all over this mansion that he owns. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's just over the top. And don't even get me started on the fact that they've got a small dining table, but there's a big dining table behind it. <laughs> Why don't they make use of that? Presumably because they can't get their cameras around it. Or What is going on in this scene? Why, why is the Montana <laughs> dressed up in such an odd fashion? <laughs> <laughs> That's such a fantastic point. Why have they got a small dining table before the massive marble dining table on top of the day or the dais or whatever you call it? Oh. It's actually almost my life mimicking the art of this episode. I was eating steak and chips with Elle's on the sofa. I was sitting in a chair. We've got an Ottoman in front of the chair. I had the iPad playing the episode, ready to make any notes watching it. And I had the TV, which I could clearly watch it on, behind. It wasn't on, but it was behind. And I was like, I went, why are they eating off that small table? And there's a big table behind it. She went, why are you watching it on an iPad? And there's a fucking huge great TV behind it. <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> I mean, don't get at me, but... <laughs> Yes, I see what I'm doing here. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why. I was like, okay, leave it. I'll get off the subject. But that is superb. What a bit of poetic uh, justice there. Yeah. There's a big TV there. Why are you watching an iPad? <laughs> <laughs> that is phenomenal. Um, 
Daphne now name drops the two um, Sopranos and she says, you know, you don't live with your brother for however many number of years, six years, um, five years, I think it is, um, without learning a thing or two about divas. Frasier is certainly a diva. Um, sometimes I actually think more than Niles. Niles is, is more effeminate and, you know, I don't know, a little bit probably isn't as confrontational and strong-willed as Frasier. Yeah. But I do think Frasier is more of a diva, quote marks, in the sense that Daphne is using it. Well, this is this goes back to, I think, the, the interview with James Burroughs when he said they sort of created Frasier because they wanted someone to be more pompous um, or, or someone that Diane could be in, in Cheers, this is, that Diane could be more pompous than. Do you know what I mean? She could be the over-the-top one, more pretentious. Yeah. So Frasier brought out that pretentious side of Diane, and obviously then obviously they dated, etc. When it came on to Frasier, they said, well, how do we make someone more pretentious now than Frasier? Diane's not in this. So they brought Niles in as well to make... Niles was basically the Frasier to, to Frasier, if that makes sense, where Diane... <laughs> do, do you see where I'm going? It's, yeah, yeah. It's, very, it's, it's funny to try and explain it the way James Burroughs did. But yeah, he, he sort of said, you know, we needed another pretentious person to make the other one seem even more pretentious. So with Diane and Frasier, we, we gave Niles instead to make it that much more pretentious in the show. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, which one's the more diva? <laughs> you could split hairs the whole time, really, couldn't you, between which one in which episode, really. But yeah, I think I think Frasier is worse than Niles. Personally, yeah, I, 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 I probably am inclined to agree with you, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it's fascinating the way that those two characters came about and um, the stuff you say about James Burroughs. Yeah, I love that that one-upsmanship idea. Of we need to create someone even more impossible yeah. to fathom. Um, I also hate celery, uh, <laughs> so I'm never going unlike Maris to go on a binging session with celery. Oh, keep it in the house in case Charles has his quick binge. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly, Charles also hates it, so there will never ever be any celery in our in our new house. I should announce to listeners: Charles and I are moving in together uh, a week on Saturday, which is very exciting indeed. Um, but yeah, we both despise celery. Where do you stand on the great celery debate, Stephen? Yeah, I don't. I don't think I. Re- I think I've had it in things, as in like, for example, a vegetable lasagna or something like that. If it's yeah. Stopped. But no, I wouldn't sit there and gnawing it like Bugs Bunny if that helps you yeah I certainly would not either um, it's it's just got a weird weird vibe uh, I did a great delivery of Frasier here I'm even as, I'm even going to go as far to say it's my favourite line delivery of the episode even the mourners were babbling about the miniseries <laughs> the idea that he couldn't escape the miniseries at the wake is just hilarious especially because he's someone normally so unruffled by the whims of popular culture and yet here is just like any of us when a show is airing um like when succession was airing and i was terrified of that getting spoiled and it did get spoiled to me by the la times um oh. which i'm not going to go into into too much detail about but it's spoiled for anyone who's watched the latest final series of succession the biggest thing that happens in that season was spoiled to me um so yeah great delivery from fraser and there's a knock at the door <laughs> Kaboom. Kaboom. Phyllis has arrived and, and I quote, she's happy to stay. Um, is she a little too gladly staying here? Um, is she, think, should she not be a bit more creeped out? I think 
if you invited me to your son Charlotte's house, <laughs> I turned up and you said, I've got roast cooking. And I went, oh, that's great. And just sat down. You'd be like, a bit presumptuous, isn't it? <laughs> we were cooking it for ourselves. <laughs> yeah. thanks, thanks for dropping a bottle of wine off or my mail or whatever it is. You can go now. And she just sits down and goes, oh, the, din the dinner's ready, is it? Oh, excellent. Would you like wine? Yeah, fine. <laughs> so at home, sit down. <laughs> She's very, very at home very quickly, isn't she? Considering she only went round to drop off some mail, she seems like, well, luckily again, at, at that time of night, she hadn't already eaten. I was thinking she, this. You know, she was hungry. <laughs> I, I think she went out, deliberately had, had postponed her meal uh, in the hope that she might be ensnared by a neighbour who was cooking at that time. You never know. So I might be preparing a salad and a roast. <laughs> yeah, so might be. Um, does Phyllis just wander the halls of the Montana, knocking on doors, <laughs> scenting food in the kitchen and, and concocting a way to get inside? And not only that, the, I mean, so... I don't cook a lot. <laughs> this is going to sound worse than sometimes what, what he comes up with. I don't cook a lot, but do you think getting a roast out of the freezer, it looks like a beef joint, mm. and she says, I'll just put it in the microwave to defrost it. Is that normal? <laughs> I think you can do that if something's partially defrosted, or like mostly defrosted, just to finish it off. Um, I would never get something out and, and defrost it that way. I think you've got to let things thaw naturally. And, and it looks like quite a big joint of meat. It is a very Niles. big joint of meat. But it was only Niles. Niles lives alone. He, he was having a small pan of pasta. <laughs> Why is not half a cow or whatever it is in the fridge? I know. I mean, what? They're just saying roast with veg. Is that what it, that's what it's, it's going to be? Um, but, Daphne also says she's making a salad. I'll have a salad for starter, then a roast, and she's brought over a dessert. I mean, that's a big meal for a first date with 1,000 candles out there. Do you know what I mean? If there, if there is the intimation that the meal is going well and that this evening might be prolonged in some way, I'm not going to want to be rolling around with three <laughs> courses of roast and cheesecake in my... Um, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be bloated, gassy. I'm going to need to take five. I'm going to need to go find the gift wrapping room and just let off a little. Um, I just I just think, one of the, yeah, it's it's too much. If Yeah, it's too much. And, and, and clearly, yeah. One, one question I did write down for you as well is, maybe Daphne needs to date Niles because she thinks that celery is the meanest, radishes are the smartest, and get this one, beats are the policeman. Yeah. Right. Why has one got an occupation and the other two have got got a personality? That's a really good point, actually. <laughs> two of them are just like, yeah, adjectives. The other one has a, has a pension. Um, yeah. The other one's got a whole career. I mean, it makes sense. Beats, you know, walking the beat. Um, it, it has a has a certain kind of, yeah, logic to it. But... I, I, I think Niles and her have got some time on that couch before they uh, work out so. their issues. <laughs> I think so. I think so very much so. Um, Frasier now concocts a way, well, Frasier and Niles concoct a way of getting rid of Phyllis, which culminates in the phenomenal delivery of crab puff. Um, <laughs> and she just runs for her life. I did got to drink the wine. <laughs> I just got to drink the wine. <laughs> just, just really, really fantastic stuff here. And she runs for her life. Um, she hasn't eaten, has she? At that point, no. no she's... she's just had the wine. I mean, she's... again, so there's salad, roast, cheesecake, crab puffs. Crab. There's there's entrees. Um, 
I mean, I am going to be leaving this place so full. Um, fortunately, she doesn't have to leg it with a, a belly full of roast. Uh, she can get a head start on the potential serial killer, and she's away. Um, Daphne, uh, yeah, we, we've talked about Daphne being pushy now. Um, Daphne suggests clearing up before yeah. the idea to eat the food that they've just cooked comes to either of them. Yeah, what, are, spent, what are they smoking here? We've spent 90 minutes cooking this. Let's just throw it in the bin. Let's throw it in the bin. I'll go home. Don't worry about it. Throw the cheesecake. Chuck that in the bin. What I mean, what what is she thinking here? Like, let, let's clear it away. And then Nars like, oh, would you like to stay? And the idea that that's novel. It's like, right, well, we might as well eat this. And then I'm going to, you know, just F off back to the diva's apartment. Yeah. Um, you know. By shopping. Don't forget, she popped out to do some shopping when she dropped the cheesecake over. Well, you Which, know. A night off, you know, Martin and, and Fraser were out. And Daphne's just wandering the streets buying cheesecakes, popping across the other side of Seattle where... Uh, Taking Nars, the ferry. He doesn't, yeah, he doesn't live next door. He lives no. quite a way away. And she just went out shopping, decided to travel the other side of the city, drop off a cheesecake, make dinner. And then Martin and Fraser just happened to pop in. I take it the wake was around the corner. Bust your bed. And then, uh, yeah, we'll just throw this food in the bin and we'll just go back to our lives. Done. <laughs> I just I never liked the logic that Niles was a ferry ride away when we get with Aunt Patrice because he's he's just around too often and he's in Navosa all the time. He he lives at most, you but, know, 10, 15 blocks away. When he's with Aunt Patrice, isn't that when he lives at the mansion with Maris? That's a good point. Because they haven't um, split up and this one they have. So I don't the Montana may be closer. Maybe that a, that is a very very good point. So he does live a bit closer these days, which is nice. Um, so they stay for food and they eat their food. And she says, "You know, I believe that you might sit down for dinner very soon with the woman of your dreams." And he says, "I think you might be right." Very cute. He sits her to the table. He sniffs her hair. I'm never, I'm never <laughs> loving this. <laughs> um, it it didn't really sit well with me when I first watched this show. Um, when I was probably like thirteen. Um, doesn't still doesn't. Um, it's just I get it, but it's a little bit weird. I get, I get the feeling that if <laughs> you didn't meet Charlotte on a bus, if you sat behind her on a bus every day for a few months and you got chatting and then you got dating and then eventually after a couple of years of dating, you said, "Do you know what? Every time you used to get on that bus, I used to sniff your hair." I think she'd just get up, walk out, and you would oh, see it. I think so. I don't think she'd find the romance in it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's different to someone, you know, someone attractive walking past you. You're a single man, you're walking down the street, someone attractive walks past you, they smile and you, and you get that waft of their perfume or, or whatever. Because that's walk, passive, go, isn't it? That's yeah, passive ooh, scent. Of course, she smelled nice. Do you know what I mean? And realising oh, she was attractive, she smelled nice, blah, blah, blah. Ne- probably never see her again. Mm. Literally walking around your brother's apartment and every time his technical housemaid walks past you and going, oh, yes, yeah, weird. Obsession. Very creepy. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Um, yeah, couldn't agree more with you. Um, Frasier crying at the miniseries in the post credit scene. Um, we don't know what happened. You know, perhaps he's just got to the episode with Heather. Um, perhaps the finale is even more tragic than that. But uh, he's, he's barefoot. Well, it's it's one of those one time that he actually takes his shoes off. I mean, there's been shoes on the bed, there's been shoes on the sofa. I mean, Fraser's not very clean when he lives in that apartment. He's not, but he's he's barefoot, and the feet are up on the coffee table. And I just think that's where people eat and drink, Fraser. And he's you've got, got your bare feet out. He's got his dog, you know. 
Yeah. Uh, Eddie's there, isn't he, with his tongue out, lols, just looking like he really doesn't be watching that TV show. Really, yeah, very <laughs> much so. Um, right, we have got approximately, well, no, exactly 16 minutes of airtime left before we are cut off, which gives us the time to do the end of episode gubbins and a little bit of listener mail, which is a little bit lighter than usual, I think. Um, top 10, Stephen? You'll be surprised to find out. It's probably not even my top ten of this season, if I'm honest. I, I'm probably with you there. I, hmm. like I said to you before we came on, there's two two and a bit scenes, if you count the KACL bit. It doesn't yep. really go anywhere. I didn't, as you can even tell from this podcast, we haven't even chucked a very good quote at each other in this. There is nothing that memorable other than God Uncle Charlie, the mourners watching the miniseries, and kaboom. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it's just not... It's not badly written. It's just not a brilliant, brilliant episode. It's just middle of the road for me. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Top 10, it is not for me either. Actor pick, who have you gone with? I would like to say Niles. I think David Hyde Pierce. I think he's very theatrical in the way he runs around his his apartment. I think the crab puff delivery is very good, you know, and I think there's some good fun with him. Um, Obviously, Daphne was the one nominated for the Emmy, but that I, I don't know if David Hyde Pierce was on, nominated for an Emmy in this one for playing Niles, or whether they just submitted the episode for Daphne for Jane Leaves. Um, that'd be interesting to find out if he was nominated for anything in the episode as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think David Hyde Pierce is my favourite in this one. Here, here, I've also gone with Niles, but I do think could have gone for Jane Leaves and Daphne here. I do think she does a good job. Um, there's some weird choices in terms of plot and whatever going on here, but. Um, I do think she does a good job. Uh, Kennedy Burling, I'm on the ground. Just a nice quick one this week, Steve. Did he fall in love, heart and soul? He um, isn't old enough to have written this song, but he has done a rendition of it for Mrs. Burling. That's very stirring. On a giant piano, he dances on it. Just like in big. (laughs) He had one installed on his patio. (laughs) Um, and it's, it's it's something to behold when he starts going, it really is. Um, all that remains is to play Whose Crane Is It Anyway? Um, and I realise that I haven't actually written a word for you um, this week, so I'm going to quickly scour the script on KCL, and I'm going to give you... Um, okay, I want you to... Who says the word family? Um... It's used twice by the same character in completely different contexts, but um, it's only used twice. Well, if I want to narrow it down, and this isn't my guess, I can say that Roz appears, Martin appears, Daphne appears, Niles appears, Fraser appears, and Phyllis appears. There's six people in this entire episode. There is. There <laughs> I is. don't think anyone else in it, is there? Other than well, the... Um, the KCL woman. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say Martin. It is Niles. <laughs> After he says to Phyllis, it's a family name. Her friends oh, call oh. her Phyllis. Uh, okay. And then later he says, um, when he's trying to get rid of Frasier, he says, well, they're your God family. Um, could you please take dad when Frasier's trying to get Niles yeah. and Niles are like, well, they're your God family. Um, which begs the question why they have different, God uncles? I would assume they have uh, the same, but I don't know. Saying that, I have different godparents than my sister. Actually, I think that is quite common. Um, I think so. I have one of my... I want to say one of my uncles is a godfather to me, and a very old family friend that I actually grew up 
next to. They were my, my parents' neighbours when I was young and when I was born. I think the lady is my godmother. Her husband is my sister's godfather and one of my aunties. Do you see what I mean? It's sort of switched, so the pairing right. is godfather, godmother to each other in a weird way. Okay, that makes sense. I think that probably is maybe more common than, than you think. I don't know. I don't um, know if even still do it now. I've got three, I've got two nephews and a niece. I'm not godparent to any of them. No, I, well, my nieces, I'm not their godfather, but it's because I'm because I'm their uncle, I'm always going to be yeah. a, a pretty big presence in their life. So it was just like an honorary title to give to someone else which is absolutely fine by me um because you know i'll, I'll always be their uncle um shall we jump over to listen to mal this week steve yeah, let me grab my phone it's gonna be excellent Raz, who's our next caller sound of steve reaching for phone do you want me to open with yours steve or do you want to read your comment what would what would oh, make can... you feel less weird i can read my comment if you please like. please do it sydney Askbasket. So, which episode was this about? This, oh, this was this dog. was on Bad Dog. Right, so I wrote, Will and Key, let me confirm, first of all, that yes, I do indeed own and wear flat caps. Can't hey. go wrong with a lovely bit of tweed. Driving a truck and living in the countryside lends itself well to this style. Key mentioned an anecdote about Andy Garcia and his nan. Well, from now on, every time I look at Andy Garcia's face, I'll see the back of Key's nan. <laughs> <laughs> Little room service gag. Uh, enjoyed the episode of you guys discussing this more than the actual episode, but I still watch it and it still makes me laugh. On the subject of eggs, remember the bumper sticker, Will? There's never been an egg I've not enjoyed. <laughs> your diet concerns me, but also is very entertaining. More about your weekly meals, please. Maybe a segment in the podcast called Key's Restaurant Beat. I'd listen to that. Lastly, you mentioned Roz saying the sales clerk is a size 2. American sizes are different to UK. A size 2 in the USA is a size 6 in the UK. So, yes, it's quite small, but not Maristin. That's size 0. Mm, excellent. Thank you, Steve. Um, Ashley 2 says, why are you surprised Roz brought Bulldog so much milk? Kids need milk! <laughs> I underneath said, I really hope we'll read that. <laughs> uh, I'm, if you don't mind, I'm going to read the next one because that was such a yeah, short cool. one. Sure. Um, it's just so egregious. Excellent username. Put Will, Key, and just Steve. Patrick here, no K, the traditional spelling. So glad to hear Key back on the podcast. And thank you, Steve, for filling in so wonderfully. Shout out to Primark. I live in I was there earlier, actually. I bought some sliders. Um, I live in Atlanta, and the only one I have seen in the States was Chicago. Honestly, my favorite store. They're everywhere in this country, so just yeah. pop over, you'll find one. Um, I especially like the bit when you guys talked about playing chess and how Key refers to refers to it as the Sicilian approach. Just got back into chess myself, and I plan to use it one day. Your podcast brings me such such joy as it feels like two brothers discussing their fave shows, something I used to do with my older brother, Mark, who suddenly passed away in November of last year. I truly feel his presence as I guess trivia with you guys or laugh about our favorite lines. He was a huge fan of flat caps and he was bold too. Love that shout out. Thank you for all you do. It means the world to me. Off I go, Patrick. It goes without saying, Patrick, that we are so, so sorry to hear about your brother. Um, but I just think amazing that the two of you shared Frasier as a kind of common passion, that you had that to talk to him about. And the fact that we can even go halfway or a tenth of the way to kind of filling in that gap, I think is, is absolutely beautiful. Um, that's just a lovely, lovely message that is. So thank you so much. Uh, next up, is it Swan Pipper? I believe so. Another great podcast, guys. And on a Sunday, 
just like the good old days. <laughs> You're both keeping well. I'm curious, Will. Did you have a good time to see the boss, Bruce? I bloody well did. I'll say more <laughs> after the comment. I would be a very bit, but I would be a very, oh, big fan of him. I went to see him a few months ago when he was here. Amazing. Went for just under three hours. What a legend. On sad news, I learned of passing of Paxton Whitehead during the week. He played Dr. Campbell in a little Thanksgiving. I also own a few flat caps. They are coming back into fashion, I hope. Well, Bruce was amazing. I can't remember if I talked about this on previous episodes, but he played for about three hours. Um, at one point, we did have to queue for a drink in the stand for, I, I literally am not exaggerating, for 30 minutes. Um, at any other gig, you've missed most of the gig. Um, fortunately, for, for, we went down when Bruce was playing some kind of 10-minute deep cut of a jazz improvisation song. So we we kind of got out down in like a fallow period and we got back up for all of the good stuff like Born to Run and stuff at the end. Um, but that was a real, yeah, really crap. And we did miss The River, which we were hoping he'd play Ooh. and he doesn't normally play. So that sucked. But we were very thirsty and then paid £12 for three bottles of water. Um, so... Oh. <laughs> and it was boiling hot so oh. yeah um that wasn't great but uh yeah so pax and whitehead that's awful um you know and weird i saw a poster earlier for and you will have seen this on ffc helen mirren playing gold of my air um yeah, yeah so paxton lives on oscar yeah <laughs> <laughs> um it's um it's so good the passing of Paxton Whitehead actually makes me very sad because uh, he's in so many good sitcoms. He's in Mad About You. He plays. I need to watch that. And it's an absolutely fantastic moment where he's their uh, he's their neighbour. He plays himself. He he really does. He, he he could be typecast as that person every time. And also he's in Friends as uh, oh, De, De Fledermouse, Emily's uh, father. Yeah, yeah. Em- Emily. Is it Emily's uncle? Oh, the, as it, maybe her uncle. Yeah, the, the uncle who runs the shop that Rachel works in. Um, I just think he's he's such a great sitcom character. Yes. Um, the episode of Mad About You, and he, I think he gets their pizza, and he says he hears them having sex the night before, or something like that. And he, he's just the delivery of every line is absolutely brilliant from him. So I need to watch Mad About You. I really do. Yeah, you, you do. Honestly, yeah. you do. So yeah. it's, it's superb. Um, you're the next one up, Cam Winston, I believe. Oh, it's back to me. Uh, well, this is our last one of today. Well, lads, here we are again. I was just thinking you're up to episode 127 of the podcast, and it seems like yesterday you were introducing yourselves to us and then apologizing for the sound of the sound quality due to the microphones. My point is, congratulations for the growth and continuation of WLP. From the original days where my coffee with Nars contributed to the trivia to adding Steve to the condo board. Yeah, we forget about coffee. He started Trivia Corner, and he was one of our first ever regular listeners don't know what's happened to the guy vanished off the face of the earth a couple of years back but uh nevertheless fantastic legacy he has left behind uh keep up the smashing work chaps and long live the brummy as a first date let me ask you a question do you have a god uncle i don't i don't uh and if so did he torment you with your mashed potatoes and bag of marbles keep one eye out for that lads peace and as always up the villa hammy aka cam winston Thank you, everyone, so much for writing in this week. Uh, we are very much getting down to the final uh, few episodes now. So we've got four left, um, I believe yeah. so. We've got Roz and the Schnoz next week. 
Um, well, I say next week, it might be a couple of weeks. We're not sure. Um, but that's going to be a phenomenal episode. That's just got a lot of physical comedy. Probably not going to be loads to say about it, but it's a very good physical comedy episode. So There's some contentious parts of it that a few people don't like of me. But yeah, I, I, I think it's, quite, it's, it's a good fun episode. It is, um, but we will try and tackle the contentious parts with with sensitivity if we can. Um, but yeah, and then we've got par- the life of the party, party party, and sweet dreams. I always confuse those three episodes and forget which one is about which. Um, so that's going to be fun revisiting those. Uh, but other than that, I've been Will, and I've been Steve, and thank you very much for listening to We're Listening. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs Oh my And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegs <laughs> But I don't know what to do With those tossed salads and scrambled eggs